So, uh, if you don't know me, my name's Dale and I'm one of the elders here. And this morning we're going to continue our preaching series on Devoted to Discipleship. And our goal for this series is to help every believer in this family grow into greater maturity with Jesus. Because we want to be a church who is deeply rooted in standing firm in the goodness of God. So that when the storms of life come, and they will come... We won't get swayed to the left or to the right, and we won't get uprooted because we are firmly secure in Jesus. And so far in this series, we've seen that disciples are devoted to the word of God. Ken's reminded us about that again this morning. And devoted to prayer. And this morning, we're going to look at how being a disciple means we are called to be devoted to relationship. And there are two main types of relationship at work. A vertical relationship between us and God and a horizontal relationship between ourselves and others. And we're going to look at each of those in turn, but we're going to start with that vertical aspect. That relationship that happens individually between each one of us and God. So point one, a disciple is devoted to relationship with Jesus. Let's look at Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark 3.14. It says this, And he, Jesus, appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, be with him, and he might send them out to preach. This is like the most simple explanation or definition of what it means to be a disciple devoted to relationship with Jesus. Out of all the people that were following him, Jesus took 12 of them so that they might be with him. They didn't just watch Jesus on and off like the rest of the crowd, and they didn't know of him from a distance through other people's stories. Those 12 were in a relationship with Jesus. And that meant they not only listened to him and absorbed his teaching, but they talked with him. They asked questions and they followed Jesus into all sorts of amazing and often uncomfortable and miraculous situations. They were with him day in and day out, sharing his life just as he was sharing theirs. And as Jesus' disciples today, we know, we know that he's our teacher, right? And that being disciple is all about being on a journey with him. But I want to remind us that first and foremost, being a disciple is about being with Jesus. It's not about dipping in and out of relationship with him. It's not about being part of a crowd, It's not about knowing of him from a distance or through the experience of other people. Being a disciple is about having that ongoing personal relationship with Jesus. Being with him day in and day out, sharing his life and allowing him to share in yours. Sometimes I think we can forget the simplicity of that truth. And we can confuse being a disciple with behaving like a disciple. Have you ever done that? I have. You get caught up into the way you serve in the church family. 
And you give everything you've got into that thing. Or you get caught up making sure your life looks to other people like it's absolutely perfect. Or you focus on making sure that other people are doing the stuff and behaving like disciples. But we do forget sometimes that most of our energy, the majority of our time, should be given to just being with Jesus. And when we make Jesus our priority, the work of his spirit in us, coupled with our will and our willingness to change, will naturally outwork in all those things we've just talked about, in how we serve, in how we live our lives, in how we encourage others to do so. Because the reality is being being a disciple naturally outworks in behaving like a disciple, not the other way around. But how do we get better at that? How do we deepen or grow in our relationship with Jesus? Well, like any good relationship, growing as a disciple starts with a desire not just to know of, but to personally know and be known by Jesus. I want to tell you a quick story about me. When I first met my wife, Michelle, I was 15. And I was just hanging out after dark with my mates under the streetlights on Bingham Road where we grew up. And we had heard, me and my mates, we'd heard that there was a new girl who'd moved into the area. Um, she'd moved in down the street. And we hadn't even seen, we, we hadn't met her, hadn't really seen her properly. Saw her drive past in the car with her mum sometimes. Um, she was a little bit mysterious. She didn't leave the house too much at that point. No one really knew who she was. Didn't know really where she'd come from. Wasn't really sure what she looked like, but she was blonde, so I was liking that. Anyway, this particular evening, I remember sitting or hanging out under a streetlight, and, and this lady came up to us from the new house walked up to us and sort of plonked herself down next to us on the street corner on the curb. And uh, those of you who know Jane will be utterly unsurprised by this. She just came up, sat down amongst this bunch of lads and started talking. And we were a little bit shocked. Um, But she explained that her daughter was a little bit shy, but that she really wanted to make some friends. Anyway, to cut a long story short, Jane actually managed... I have no idea to this day how she did it. She managed to get Michelle to come out and meet us. Now, you try to get Michelle to do something she doesn't really want to do. (laughs) You're going to struggle. But her mum managed to do that. And before long, Michelle was hanging out with us, spending time with us regularly. And here's the thing. The more I got to know her, the more I wanted to get to know her. So that in an incredibly small amount of time, I knew an incredibly large amount about her. I knew her history, I knew all about her family, I knew her favourite colour, her favourite footballer, which really irritated me, her favourite boy band, her favourite hobbies, her preferences. In fact, the only thing I didn't really know about was how she felt about me. Uh, Not because she wasn't communicating that, probably, but because I'm just not the smartest cookie in the jar. Uh, But 23 years of marriage later, I count it an honour and a blessing from God to say, I guess she thought I was okay. My point is, and this is my point, I can honestly say that I am as eager to not just know of, but to truly know and be known by her now 
as I was then. Not not because of any other reason than that I love her. So we spend time together and when things get busy, we're intentional about making time for one another. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We talk, we laugh, and sometimes we cry, but we we do that together. You'll know that you can't manufacture that kind of depth in a relationship. You have to live that out. You can't really get to know someone unless you spend time with them. And often you can't spend time with them unless you're intentional about it. You can see where I'm going with this, probably. Because in all honesty, our relationship with Jesus is no different. When we become a Christian and we begin our journey with Jesus, the Holy Spirit awakens a thirst in us, a desire to get to know Jesus more and more. It's a deep spiritual desire to know him personally, to talk with him, to learn about and from him, and to just generally do life with him. David, uh, who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart, says this about it in Psalm 63, 1-8. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those aren't the words of a guy who's got an acquaintance called God. They're not the words of somebody who knows of someone from far off. Those are someone who has an intense, deep, personal relationship with God. My soul thirsts for you, he says. You can't manufacture that depth in relationship. You have to live it. But I want to ask you this. How will you get to know Jesus unless you spend time with him? And how will you spend time with him unless you're intentional about it? Jesus recognises this spiritual thirst in us. And he knows that like any thirst, you need to drink in order to quench it and be satisfied. So he gives us a simple invitation in John 7, 37. He says this. If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Jesus is holding his arms out wide. He says, you want to get to know me? Come, come and get to know me. The only way to quench the spiritual thirst in us and deepen our relationship with him is to come to Jesus and drink. But how do we do that? Well, two of the most important ways of doing it are spending time in his presence through reading God's word and meditating on it and contemplating on it. And also in spending time in prayer. Now, we have covered that in more depth previously already. 
In fact, Bernie did an excellent job of leading us through the importance of prayer last week, but it's, it is worth briefly reminding ourselves about these things again. Psalm 118.48 says this, I lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on it day and night. I lift up my hands to your commandments. I love them. I'm going to think about them all day and all night. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, this doesn't always have to look like a full-on Bible study. And more often than not, it's not going to. That's the reality of our lives. But it should look like feeling daily, feeding daily on God's word, just as Ken challenged us this morning. And we live in a time and a place where there are so many tools available to help us connect and engage with God's word. There are devotionals, reading plans, Bible studies. And not to mention, nowadays, you can just listen to the Bible. You can have, a, who's the guy from Poirot? Who's that? David Suchet can narrate that to you. That's so exciting. However we choose to read God's word, the point is we've got to think it through. We've got to chew it over. We've got to prayerfully seek God's revelation in it. And most importantly, we need to expect to encounter Jesus in and through it. We can also deepen our relationship with Jesus by spending time in prayer. Romans 12 verse 12 says this. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That's a challenge, that one, isn't it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God for you is that you pray without ceasing. What does that look like? How do we do that? Prayer's not an optional extra as a Christian. I would just tell you that. It's the primary way we communicate with God, through Jesus, in the Spirit. And as Bernie encouraged us, it doesn't matter whether we dedicate specific moments to prayer or we simply chat to God throughout the day those are both good options but conversation is one of the most important ways we get to know someone the more you chat to them the more they reveal about themselves and the more you feel like you know them and the more you know them the more you're comfortable to reveal yourself to them so we need to be in conversation with Jesus We need to sit at his feet and openly and honestly speak to him. We need to ask him for greater revelation of his nature and his character. We need to confess and repent of sin. We need to submit our plans and our purposes under his will. We need to praise and proclaim his lordship over our lives, his victory over sin and death and his saving action over our souls. Because as we pray, praise and worship, We can hear the voice of God speaking to us, giving us direction, encouragement, opening up himself to us. I want to encourage you this morning. Prayer is not for the car crash moments of life when 
the world's falling apart and everything's gone wrong. Prayer can be a cry for help, but it's not confined to that. Imagine prayer like this. Prayer is a, is a conversation with Jesus over coffee. It's a chat with him on a car journey. Time intentionally set aside to hang out with him. It can be a quick call for heavenly advice in a tricky situation, or it can be a family meeting with God about the future. But most importantly, it's fuel on our journey with Jesus. It fills us up, stirs us up, and sends us out ready to go. And that leads me to the third way we grow in our relationship with Jesus. We deepen our relationship with Jesus by following where he leads. In John 10 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So our relationship with Jesus is amongst other things like a sheep to a shepherd. And that means we listen to the sound of his voice over our lives, calling us here or there, directing us this way or that. And just like Jesus' first disciples, if we are with him, then we go where he goes. We do what he does and we follow where he leads. And that often means stepping out in faith, doesn't it? Because when we're with Jesus and we're following him closely, he often leads us into new and sometimes uncomfortable places or seasons. And it's those moments we need to exercise our faith and trust that he is with us and for us and that he will preserve us. But there's a joy in it. The joy of stepping out and following where Jesus leads is found in the fact that often those are the times when we experience the deepest and most powerful moments of relationship with him. As we commit ourselves wholeheartedly into his loving care, we can see his hand at work often in the miraculous. As we draw close to him and he draws close to us, We're like Peter walking on the water. Our faith is stirred and we're built up by Jesus' presence right there where we are in the midst of it. My dear brothers and sisters, if we want to grow and deepen our relationship with Jesus, then we do need to spend time in his word. We do need to spend time in prayer and we do need to spend time following where he leads and stepping out in faith. And I want to just tell you, that that has been a testimony of my life. I haven't always been, even now, I don't get it right. I don't spend as much time as I should in prayer. I don't read my my Bible as much as I, I should do. And I sometimes wrestle so hard with following where Jesus leads. And I'm certain there are times when I've chickened out from doing that. But my testimony is, every time I have done those things, Every time I've given time to spend with him in prayer, in conversation over coffee, whatever, I felt built up. I felt loved. I felt the presence of God. Every time I've spent time in his word, I've grown in my relationship with him. I've learned something new about him. Often I've learned something new about me. And every time I've stepped out and been obedient to where he's called me, I've seen the blessing of God outworking in my life. Sometimes through the miraculous, sometimes through the everyday, but either way, I've seen it happen.
Okay, so we've looked at this vertical aspect, this relationship between us and God in discipleship. But now we're going to look at that horizontal. Being devoted to relationship as a disciple means we're also devoted to relationship with one another. But what does that look like? Well, John 1.12 says this, But to all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So if we're a disciple of Jesus, then we're also a child of God. And we have the privilege of calling him father. Which means, Ephesians 2.19, we are no longer strangers and foreigners. We are citizens along with all God's holy people. We are members of God's family. We're children of God and we're all members of one family. Therefore, according to Romans 12.10, we are to love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. We are brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, all in the same family of God. And that's exactly how we should view and behave towards one another. Being family gives us a permission to share each other's lives, to speak the truth in love to one another, to learn, laugh, cry, mourn, rejoice and worship with one another. Because when we see our church family in this way, we find this like a God-given compassion, care and concern bubble up in our hearts for them. Do you know what I mean? As you look at your brothers and sisters, as I look at you, I care for you deeply. I'm passionate about you. I love you. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you go on in your journey with Jesus. I want to see you grow and flourish and be everything that God has called you to be. And I'm going to make it my business to make that happen. Not because you're my friends or acquaintances or some people I know and hang out with some Sundays. Because you are my family. That means I want to rejoice with you in the highs. I want to journey with you in the lows. I want to bear some of that weight of those things that you carry. Now, if, we, if the way we should to relate to one another is in the context of family, then it makes sense that the root of that relationship is love. It doesn't it? That's, that's where family is from. John 13, 34. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, Jesus says, you are also to love one another. So Jesus says we're to love one another, not just as we love ourselves, that's easier in a way, we're to love one another like Jesus loves us. Wow. That means powerfully. That means passionately. It means personally. It means self-sacrificially. It means laying yourself down for your brother and sister in this room. And it means the same for me. Why? Because we are to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of everyone else. Because as Jesus goes on to say in John 13, 35, by this i.e. when we do this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. When the world looks in and sees how we love one another, they know something different's going on in this place. The way we do family is a witness to the world of the self-sacrificial love of God poured out over it in the person of Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest tools for evangelism we've got in our kit. So, how do we grow in love for one another? Well, Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir one another up. Weirdly, I often think of a mula yoga at this point. Not because I'm particularly hungry or even because I particularly like mula yogurts. But in a mula yogurt, like a strawberry one, that's probably my favourite one. On the one side, you've got quite a big amount of uh, like just plain yogurt. Um, it's just vanilla though, isn't it? It's, just, it's normally just like a vanilla flavour, a bit middle of the road, a little bit boring. And on the other side, you've got this smaller amount of strawberry. It's very sweet. Lots of flavour. Now, I find that the, the yoghurt itself is not that appealing. I probably wouldn't eat it if it was just that. But there are a number of ways you can eat a muller yoghurt. You could just eat the plain yoghurt. It's not great. You could try and eat all of the strawberry first and then try and eat some of the main yoghurt, but it's not really going to affect it very much. You could try, try and take a spoonful of the yoghurt and then dip it into the strawberry and eat that. But I guarantee you will always run out of strawberry before you finish the yoghurt. Hands up if you found that the case. Thank you. Thank you. That was yeah, way off my mind. That was just me. I like to do this. I like to take that Miller Corner yoghurt. I like to bend it in the middle and I like to tip all that strawberry into the main yogurt and then I get my spoon and I stir that thing up. And what happens is my, my pretty bland middle of the road vanilla flavoured yogurt is turned into a delicious strawberry yogurt and the whole thing is changed. The whole thing is changed. Because I've done it differently, because I've stirred that up together. That's exactly what happens. It's not exactly what happens, but it's exactly what happens in the church family. As we stir one another to love and we blend it into everything we say and do, pretty soon the whole flavour of the church changes. As our love for one another is imparted and infused into every conversation and it's outworked in every action, reaction and interaction. Think about it. If everything I say to you is infused with love, you're just going to receive that. How you react to that is going to be based on the love I've input into it. How I react to you is going to be based on the love you've imparted to me. God can do such wonderful things when we imitate him by stirring one another to love. And the beauty is when we do this, we are blessed. We are blessed. Jesus is glorified and the world sees the gospel in action. I'm going to draw my message to a close now. If I could have the worship team up, please. 
I felt prompted by God to finish this morning by calling us, every single one of us, to a response. Because I believe that God has something for each of us this morning. So I want you to consider this question with me. How is your relationship with Jesus this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you really don't know Jesus at all. Let me ask you this. Do you want to not just know of Jesus, but personally know and be known by him? Because this is your opportunity. He died so you could get to know him. Aren't you dying to know why? If that's you, then I would love for you to come and see me at the end of the service because I believe that God would reveal himself to you today and I want to share him with you. If you're a disciple here this morning, how's your relationship with Jesus? Do you have that deep spiritual thirst to get to know him more? Or has that fire dimmed in your friendship? Because that happens. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond. If you want the Holy Spirit to come and put that spark back in your relationship with Jesus. And fan into flame the desire to get to know him more. Maybe that's you. Are you finding it particularly tough to pray? Does it feel like hard work reading God's word? I want you to respond in a moment. Because I believe God wants to bring breakthrough for some of us. Are you struggling to step out in faith and follow where Jesus leads? I want you to respond so that God, through the power of his spirit, and person of his spirit can strengthen you and encourage you and stir faith in you for obedience. And finally, how are you doing in your relationship with one another? I believe God said to me about hurt and about unforgiveness and about bitterness in people's hearts this morning. And that may be towards other people in the family. It might be for people outside of the family. But either way, unforgiveness and bitterness chokes down the love that God has input in us and that he wants us to outwork. And I believe God wants to break that this morning, wants to bring breakthrough for some of you. So are you carrying hurt, bitterness or unforgiveness? I want you to respond in a moment. And last but not least, and I think we probably all should put our hands up for this one. Do you want to see this church family stirred up like a muller yogurt? That tastes like love through and through. Because if so, then I want you to respond as well. So I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it slightly differently. I'm going to ask for us all to bow our heads out of respect for one another. I want us to close our eyes. And I want you to put your hand up if you want to respond to one of those things as I read them out. And I'm going to pray right here and now for God to bring breakthrough. Are you struggling? Have you not got that spiritual thirst like it once was in your heart? Do you want Jesus to come in the person and power of his spirit to ignite that fire in your heart once more? Your desire to build your relationship with him to be renewed. I want you to put your hand up. Do you want to see breakthrough in prayer? 
Do you want to see breakthrough in studying God's word? I want you to put your hand up for me. Just keep your hands there. Do you want faith to step out to follow where God's calling you? Do you want God to impart that faith to you this morning to follow where he leads without question, confidently and boldly? Are you struggling with hurt or unforgiveness this morning? I want you to put your hand up. And finally, do you want to see this church stirred up and taste like love to one another and to the rest of the world? Why don't you put your hand up? (laughs) I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters. I love these guys dearly, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of being an under-shepherd for them. And Lord Jesus, as they've put their hands up to respond to what you want to do in the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, would you come even now and fill them afresh? I want to pray, Lord Jesus, for that spiritual thirst to be restored to them. Lord, that fire to be fanned into flame so that their passion to get to know you, their desire to experience more of you will be bursting out of them, Lord Jesus. I pray where things have gone a bit cold, where things have gone a bit dry, you would bring new life into their desire to know you more. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are struggling with spending time in word and in prayer. Bring breakthrough, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, breakthrough. God, I don't know what that looks like, but you do. Maybe there's practicalities, maybe there's spiritual things going on, but bring breakthrough, King Jesus so that we might see them built up and flourish in their relationship with you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, who are struggling in obedience. Their faith needs to be built up. Come, Holy Spirit, stir them right now. Help them know not only that confidence and boldness, Lord, but that love that they receive from you, knowing that they are your children and that they please you. Lord, I pray that you would give them such confidence and such trust in you. I pray that you reveal more about your faithfulness to them. Open their eyes to see those moments when you have done not just the miraculous, but the everyday in their lives that has done them good. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling with hurts and with unforgiveness in their heart, Lord. I pray that those things are broken in the name of Jesus. And that a new season lies ahead of them, Lord, where they are released from those things, where they are able to forgive. And I pray, Lord, that they would take time to do that, to come before you and declare their forgiveness. Lord, I pray for boldness and confidence where they may need to go and do that personally. But I thank you that you are a good, good father and that you love to come and bless us. And Lord, I pray for this church would we be tasting of your love? Would that be the flavour that spills out of here into Verwood and blesses this community, Lord? Would people know that something different is happening here because they see it, they can taste it? We ask that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't we stand?